You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. On this episode, we are talking back to school and adjusting to the new normal. Joining me on this episode is Dr. Meg Sorg from Purdue. She is a clinical assistant professor in the School of Nursing. Meg, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Good. good. I should say welcome back to the podcast. You joined me almost about a year ago this time, Mm -hmm. talking about some of the same subjects, uh, obviously minus the whole COVID uh, issue here. And of course, had you with my, uh, your colleague and my friend and fellow class of 99 Hobart High School graduate, Dr. Libby Richards. So (laughs) should have had her join us again, but welcome back. I hope you are doing well. How are you and your family holding up during these challenging times? You know, we're doing pretty well. My kids are supposed to go back to school next week. Um, Things seem to change day to day, but as of now, that's the plan. And we're looking forward to getting back to, well, getting to a new normal, I suppose. Awesome. Well, Purdue students, I believe, start classes August August 24th. Yeah, many students are already on campus for the summer start program. And then soon some more will be joining for uh, Boiler Gold Rush. Um, Let's talk about starting this year. It will be new, different uh, for students on campus, whether you're returning or an incoming freshman. Uh, Purdue has, you know, launched their Protect Purdue program. So kind of talk about um, uh, what's expected for students this year and, you know, kind of adjusting to that. Sure. So that Protect Purdue program that or Protect Purdue plan that they have in place really is designed to protect the campus and the community um, by limiting the spread of the coronavirus as much as possible. Um, And it it serves to put the responsibility on students, faculty, staff, um, that responsibility to to do the things that they can do to help keep that spread. So wearing masks, social distancing, um, being honest and forthcoming about symptoms and contact tracing, um, participating in the testing, those tests. Um, I, I was speaking with some graduate students today and they've already received their tests. Others will be getting theirs within, uh, within the coming weeks. So doing the coronavirus testing and then the big change is gonna be the mandate for flu vaccines this year for campus. Gotcha. Do you know how often students will be required to test or is it just kind of if they feel symptoms, they should get tested again? Oh, that's a good question. Um, when I was reading last night, I didn't see any any hard and fast rule on that. I did see that they would like to have testing done uh, within two weeks of of starting of classes. Um, and so we're coming up on that. And um, and so we're definitely gonna be wanting those test results in before we have a flood of students and, and faculty back on campus. Gotcha. And you know, obviously there are always gonna be some people who are resistant to, you know, rules or changes and things like that. But talk about just the importance of the Purdue community, students, staff, and anybody on campus alike to, to participate this in, and, and, and follow the rules to help one another, like you said, prevent, prevent the spread. Absolutely. So let's see where, where to start with all of this. Um, you know, as, as young students, the immune system is generally pretty great. Um, and so our students, it's been demonstrated that, uh, that generally there's a pretty low risk for them as far as getting sick um, and as far as experiencing severe complications from the virus. 
but it's not unheard of. And we don't know um, it, whether the person sitting next to us or hopefully sitting six feet away from us, um, we don't know what underlying health complications they may have. We don't know um, what might put them at higher risk for complications. And as far as faculty and staff, we certainly have high risk members, um, whether it be from their age, whether it be from underlying health issues that they have, they're going to be people at high risk all around us. And so doing what we can do to, um, to minimize that spread is gonna be really important to keep not only ourselves safe, but also keep the rest of our Purdue community safe. Awesome. And as a, a professor and teaching your classes, you obviously can control what you can control. Talk about the, the steps you're already kind of putting into place or getting ready for when students return to campus to help do your part. Yeah, so for our class, I teach pediatric nursing, the senior nursing students, and we will be holding all of our lectures virtually. So we've made that decision. We're going to have the content online. We'll be doing virtual meetings with them to talk through the material, check in at least weekly, if not a couple of times weekly. And then nursing is a little bit unique in that we also have our in-person clinicals. And so from the pediatric side, we'll have students down at Peyton Manning Children's Hospital, and we'll also have them at Riley Hospital for Children down in Indianapolis. And so we've got to follow not only the protocols for Purdue getting back, but we've also got to follow the protocols and policies that the hospitals have in place as well. Obviously, what you teach and, and your students extremely important because it is nursing. It's, it's, you know, it's going into this medical field that is, you know, a challenging times right now with everything. So, I mean, just talk about the importance of, of your role or your students, you know, role and, and maybe taking that next step to helping, you know, with, you know, potential coronavirus patients. Yeah. So we always, we'll have patients where it's important to put on the that PPE, those protective, um, that protective equipment. And so it's even more so um, in pediatrics, what we're, what we're going to be going into are rooms of little kids, um, rooms of families, rooms of, of small children who can only for whatever reason have have one or not for whatever reason for a COVID reason they can only have one parent in the room so they're already scared they're already uh, experiencing this sense of normal without their full support system there so as nurses it's our responsibility one not to spread infection from one patient to another or from ourselves to a patient um, but it's also important when we're talking especially about children that as nurses we provide that compassionate comfort care as well um, and that we make sure that we're setting good examples and um, and that we're practicing those guidelines and exemplifying um, what we can do. Awesome. Important stuff there. Thank you for, for doing that, leading the way there. Um, outside of, you know, the challenges of COVID, there's obviously other adjustments college students, especially those incoming freshmen who are kind of leaving home for the first time, have to adjust to talk about those challenges, you know, and finding a new schedule, you know, being away from mom and dad, those kinds of things that college students face now. Yeah, um, it's a big adjustment moving from home to, to college. And so, you know, one of the biggest things that I would recommend for these students would be to, to establish some sort of routine. Um, it doesn't have to be hard and fast every single day is time down to the minute, but um, carving out time for, for studying, carving out time for exercise, carving out time for social activity, and really making that commitment to, uh, to, to devote 
that time each day to those um, to those different things will help make sure that students stay on track. Um, exercise, I can't speak enough to the benefits of exercise, both for physical and mental health. Um, I would encourage students to um, develop healthy eating habits or continue healthy, healthy eating habits. You know, many of these students are going to be, um, well, I say that, that many students are going to be getting into the dining halls, but I think that's all going to look a little bit different too, according to the protect, protect Purdue plan. But, um, they're going to be making their own food choices for for the first time for a lot of these freshmen who have, are moving away from home cooked meals and so we want to make sure that they're they're making good healthy choices that they're taking time for themselves that they're um taking time to to focus on their studies um but that they're not um playing video games until four o'clock in the morning every single night because that's not healthy <laughs> sleep schedule too you know that's Easier said than done as a former college student. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, talk about, um, you touched a little bit on the flu vaccine. Talk about just vaccinations and requirements and expectations for Purdue for students this fall. Yeah. So the flu vaccine is is the new one that's that's going to be required this year from Purdue. Um, and I, I have seen a couple of other schools who have made that a requirement as well for students who are going to be on campus. In the School of Nursing, it has always been a requirement. And so that's nothing new for my students, but, um, but it will be something new for a lot of students on campus. Um, we definitely want to make sure that we get that flu vaccine. I can't stress that importance enough, especially with COVID um, still looming out there. The other vaccines, you know, the, the typical school vaccines are going to be mandatory, the ones that students have had. Um, the important ones for our, um, for our college, especially our dorm population, is going to be the meningitis vaccines. So the, um, the MMR, the, or excuse me, not MMR, the meningitis A vaccine has uh, been a requirement from the high schools. So students should be coming in with that, no question. But the meningitis B vaccine is one that is required by Purdue and several other colleges, but is not a high school requirement at this time. So if parents or students are unsure of their vaccination status with that particular one, then they need to reach out to their healthcare provider and see what their record is. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Uh, well, all students aren't the only ones uh, returning to campus. You got high school, middle school, elementary, some of those, which is shocking to me, have already started. I mean, when I was growing up, we didn't start till like Labor Day. So it's, it's crazy thinking I know. starting in July. But anyway, it is what it is. So some have already kind of started. Um, and most, if not all, are following Indiana's uh, mask mandate uh, for, uh, for students. Talk about that. You, I know, just wrote an article in, uh, in the, uh, on the website, The Conversation, kind of talking about this, helping uh, kids, especially younger ones, kind of get prepared for this. Talk about that article and why it was important for you to contribute that. It's, if I haven't said it enough, it's so important that we help limit the spread of this virus. And um, we know there were recent studies published just last week showing that kids do transmit this virus and that um, that they transmit it just as as effectively as adults do and so they're a part of the solution as well um, the article is really important because it helps get that out um, and it's also important that we prepare our young children um, school-aged children teenagers and let them know what getting back to school is going to look like um, practicing wearing the mask because it's important 
students, practicing properly putting them on and taking them off and making sure that we're washing our hands prior to taking them off and putting them on. And, and um, it, it's, it's really important that we do it, but not only that we do it, that we do it correctly. And you, you know, obviously it won't be easy. Kids are, some kids are defiant. <laughs> I have three of my own. Uh, you have, you're a mom, you have four. Can you just kind of give us some tips on, especially for the various age groups on how to, you know, prepare for this? Absolutely. Practice, practice, practice um, for all age groups, honestly. The toddlers, uh, so the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics both recommend our, our advise that children as young as two can wear face masks safely. It doesn't compromise their oxygenation level. It um, doesn't pose safety risks as long as they're not uh, at high risk for suffocation anyway. So those children under two should not be wearing masks because of their small airways and likelihood of suffocation. But so for your toddlers, um, I really like to appeal to their developmental stage of I want to do everything myself. Um, I have a three-year-old at home, and I know that if he can, if he can do it himself, then he's much more likely to be, be compliant with it. And so talking to him about you can do this. This is the way that you're going to do it yourself. Mom doesn't have to help you. Dad doesn't have to help you. Um, and so you are a big kid and you can do this. That really encourages him to, to keep his mask on. You know, preschool kids, preschool age, um, if you think about what preschoolers are doing, they're playing dress up, right? They're playing teacher, they're playing doctor, they're playing nurse, they're wanting to imitate. And so for that age group, using, um, using good examples is going to be key. So as parents, we have to set the example as educators, as health professionals, as um, just adults out in the grocery store, we need to be setting the example for, for that age. And then our school age kids, those, those are our rule followers. They're the ones who thrive on structure. They're the ones who are constantly creating clubs and, and creating the rules to be in those clubs, right? So um, we want to appeal to their sense of following the rules and telling them that this is a rule you have to follow to get back into school um, is going to be helpful. And then for your teenagers, um, you know, they're the ones who, they don't want to do anything that's going to set them apart from their peers. Um, they don't want to be the target of anything. And so talking to them about, um, about how this is what everyone's going to be doing. And this is, uh, this is just the new norm for this year is important. You can also appeal to their sense of, um, of empathy and sense of wanting to do good for other people. And you can do that for all ages, you know, talking to them in age appropriate terms about we do this so that we can stay healthy, but we also do this so that we can keep those that we love, love healthy too. And, and I think most kids can understand that. Yeah, I agree. Especially that, yeah, the second part, that's kind of what we emphasize with, with our kids that we just, and they're, and they've been very good about it. I should clarify that they're not defined. I have three children. But they're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not most of the time anyway. Um, but yes, and they're, they are handling that very well. And you're right. And just like we've, I've talked about with other things too, kids, kids are resilient and, you know, and, you know, they get, they can get used to it. Yeah. And our, my kids love playing dress up. So you just kind of almost, yeah. Yep. Introduce it as that. Hey, we're just, you know, playing dress up. So awesome. Uh, anything else that you feel like we should know, whether it's COVID related or just getting back into the groove of uh, the school routine? Wash your hands. Um, we focus a lot on the wearing the masks and the social distancing, but um, you know, washing your hands is kind of 
old hat, but it's the number one proven way to limit the spread of infection, whether it's COVID, whether it's flu, whether it's anything else that might be floating around out there. So lots of hand washing. Um, remembering that we need to give each other grace in this period of unknown um, and in this period of, of new normals. And so um, gentle reminders instead of, of yelling at people, um, offering a helping hand instead of instead of chastising someone for not doing it the right way. I think that 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 goes a long way just to to be a good human. Yeah. I agree. We should always show grace all the time. All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much. I'm assuming you're probably excited to get get back to a somewhat of a new normal as you've probably been working from home for the last what, five months or whatever. So yeah. <laughs> even if it's virtual, right? Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much for uh, joining the Full Steam Head podcast. It's great to have you have you back on. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Good luck this school year and Boiler Up. Thanks, Boiler Up. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. And you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.